0: Welcome to Building an Upper Right Hand Quadrant Culture. This is JP Palufry. It is so great to be with you today. In today's episode, The fourth in our series, have you ever been in a situation where you wanted to give someone feedback, but you hesitated, and the moment was lost, and you didn't end up giving it? Then you felt not great about yourself. Maybe you didn't feel very courageous. Maybe ate away a little bit at your confidence. I've certainly been there before. Today, we talk about feedback that key behavior of courage in our upper right-hand quadrant model. It's not easy to give, not easy to receive, but clearly something that can be a difference maker for you in your life, for your team, for the organization. Excited to be here? I certainly am. Let's walk. Out walking, enjoying this gorgeous day, moving as you are able. Feeling your feet on the ground. Feeling your ankles. Feeling your legs. Now feeling your hands and arms just tuning in mindfully. Mindfulness is paying attention on purpose, non-judgmentally. Now feel your belly rise and fall. Or if it's a bit easier, feel your breath come in and out at the nostril, in that most acute place that you feel the air brush against your nostril. Now feel your torso. your head and neck. Now move to your hands and arms and just notice any sensations present and just feel your body from head to toe. Really letting go of thinking, planning, just being in this moment. You know, re-relax the body. Relax your hands, soften the hands. And if your mind wanders, to a thought or story or dream. Just let that be and come back to breathing or your body. Now a fundamental part of mindfulness is starting to see that there's us, that person who's observing, and then there's this mind that can go off. And then we catch it and we come back and we realize, oh my gosh, I was off daydreaming. And the key, if you do this enough, you start to see that there's a fundamental difference between you and your thoughts. And this can change your life, quite frankly. It did for me. When I realized I'm not my thoughts, I don't have to believe everything I think, it freed me up. Because when I'm in the heat of a moment, something didn't go well, I made a mistake, there was a setback, Supposed to getting caught in that awfulizing, I could sit there and say, oh, there's me and there's all of these thoughts. And not all of these thoughts are true pictures of reality. And so that space is what mindfulness starts to do. You might be wondering, you know, I've been doing this mindfulness thing, JP, and I don't know if I'm benefiting. Trust me, you are. Because just that understanding that you are not your thoughts, there's a space between you and your thinking, is really powerful it's what you know is critical when we work with athletes when we work with coaches because it gives us a tool to manage our brain in those difficult moments and then we don't get talked down we actually become more courageous right the courage to take risks courage to make mistakes, the courage to speak up, the courage to be uncomfortable, the courage to fail, the courage to be bold, the courage to be vulnerable. This is what understanding our mind can do. And courage is the focus of the day. So stand tall, look around, feel grateful. Your team deserves a culture where you each feel valued. You each have a voice and feel safe to take risks and be courageous. This is at the heart of what your organization needs to achieve great things. And it's the heart of this whole message, this whole sprint. But it's not easy to give feedback, right? How do you give feedback skillfully? How do you create a feedback-rich environment? Again, like value and voice, it is a skill. Really, this whole last 8% culture system is about building skills to create this high-performing culture. So let's dig in. And today there's going to be a lot of content. Because I want to make sure that you have a really good resource that you can return to and listen again and again as you make attempts to build that bridge, VVF, so that you can approach having these feedback conversations, these last 8% conversations, in a way that actually builds an upper right-hand quadrant culture. Okay. Margaret Heffer and said, for good ideas and true innovation, you need human interaction, conflict, argument, debate, of course, right? It's in the last 8% zone where all of innovation takes place and it takes interpersonal risk. And feedback is a big part of this. Yeah, I think you're, I mean, I think when you do that, I think you're withholding a tool from them, I think you're withholding an opportunity from them. Um, and it's not to say that what I'm, what I'm, the feedback I'm giving is dead on and exactly right, but it's a perspective that's out there and it's a perspective that they may not be seeing. So I truly believe you're, you're, you are, you're withholding, um, tools for them. You're withholding opportunities for them to, um, create a different level of awareness or even some awareness, uh, to know how they're operating or to know where they may be able to do some things, um, differently. So, uh, it's, um. Yeah. It's a, it's a disservice. It really is. And it feels like, and it's, but it is tough to kind of put, take, get yourself out of the way of doing that. Right. Um, Because you, like I said before, I'm just not a person who, who has any desire to hurt anybody um, you know, and it, and it uh, but, but at the same time um, that is a form of holding them back. Now I want you to think about, when you've had to have a conversation with somebody where you wanted to give feedback, you're frustrated about something. Got that in mind? Do you know that one of the biggest mistakes you can make when it comes to giving feedback in a last 8% conversation? Because you've been thinking about it so much at night, in the shower, while driving, you know, ruminating about it, figuring out what you want to say and how you want to say it. That you actually get very wound up. You get wound up. I do, certainly. And very certain about your point of view, because it all makes sense to you, right? That when it comes time to have the conversation, you think, okay, all right, it's finally time. I've built up my courage. I'm going to speak my truth. That you start right in, wanting to get it right in a good way. You know, you want to explain to them what you've been thinking about for the last few days or weeks. And my question is, how effective is that? And I'll tell you, and I hope you probably are sensing, it's not very effective. Because all of this time ruminating about the situation can cause you to get stuck on your side of the bridge and fall into the trap of assuming you know more than they do about the situation. You jump to judgment based on less than 5% of available information. And think about it. What impact does that have on the other person when you launch in and you make a whole bunch of assumptions? So, as you use the bridge model, remember, when we're talking about having these conversations, it helps to keep in mind that as certain as we are, and we're so sure of ourselves, it still pays to get to their side first and get more information, more than 5% before you give that feedback. And it's hard because we can get impatient And in fact, it's so hard that we talk about giving feedback or in this kind of, you know, having last 8% conversations as conversations, as in plural, as in many conversations, right? In other words, don't expect it all to happen in one meeting. In fact, our approach is even to commit to thinking of having having two meetings, meeting one and meeting two. What do I mean by that? It means when you build the bridge, VVF, It means spreading out so that meeting one is about voice and value, not feedback, right? So there's meeting one, there's meeting two. Meeting one is voice and value or value and voice. Meeting two is feedback. And it really helps to think of it in this way so that you are truly in listening mode, not in I can't wait to say all these things I've been thinking about. So you start from their side of the bridge and you ask questions as we've talked about in earlier podcasts. And we know that a person's amygdala will calm down when they feel heard and understood. So that is where we start. The goal is to have a four marker to four marker conversation and getting more information in meeting one, of course, also helps you make sure that you're in the right conversation. By starting from their side, you gain clarity about what is going on for them. What is the issue from their point of view? What emotional needs might not be getting met for them? So meeting one is VV, meeting two is F, the feedback. So it helps to think of our SIQ, which stands for situation. Right, What specific situation? So as you kind of are asking questions to get to their side. And even you're, you know, you're trying to think about the situation. So what specific situation would you like to address? right, this is a template to prepare yourself for the conversation. right, what is the right conversation you really need to have? So situation, then why is this an important conversation for you to have? In other words, what's the impact? That's the next guy. One more eye. What is your intention in having this conversation? What are you hoping to accomplish from having the conversation? And then finally, what's your opening question to begin understanding their side of the bridge. And it really helps to think up questions and prepare in advance because it means that when you drop markers, which you will, because it's hard not to, you'll have some questions at the ready. Right? So the key here is to be prepared with SIQ, to really what conversation do you want to be in? What's the question I'm going to ask? Why am I having it? And then committing to not saying your piece in this first meeting. And, and listen, I understand that we talk about meeting one, meeting two. They can technically happen in the same meeting. But honestly, my strong recommendation is not, is to really have it be a meeting where you're truly listening. Because if you're not in true listening mode, true curiosity mode, they will smell you out as listening only long enough so that you can have your say, so you can say your piece. So you're there to be curious, non-judgmental. And it's really to get to their side of the bridge, give them voice, make them feel valued, commit to being that good listener, listening to those three pieces of information, facts, feelings, values. So this is kind of meeting one, this is the start. So there's preparation, SIQ. Make sure you have those questions at the ready and really committing to being a listener in meeting one. Then in between meetings, consolidate what you heard and make a decision about your plan of action, right? These these conversations have the potential to upset people. So you need to be really clear about your intention and how those conversations conversation fits into the bigger perspective of serving the relationship, serving the culture on the team, the organization. Okay, so that's kind of in between meetings. Now you're in meeting two. The purpose of meeting two is to stay connected in the last eight percent as you give your feedback. So first know you will be anxious. The goal is not to be calm. That's really an impossibility because you feel the stakes. The goal is to use the tools you have to, that you've learned, to, you know, to manage your brain, including mindfulness, so you can stay connected and have the difficult conversation in a skillful way. High care and high accountability, right? That's what we find in the upper right hand quadrant. So you're going to give your feedback, you know, the accountability part, but you're going to do it in a high care way. And because you did the work to fully understand their side of the bridge in meeting one, and because you've prepared yourself and your emotions, you'll walk into meeting two with a different energy. You'll walk in with, you know, yes, some anxiety, but also confidence because you have a game plan. You know what you're going to do, how you're going to handle the situation. How are you going to start the conversation? and you'll be more of a non-anxious presence for them which will means they'll be less anxious because emotions are as you know infectious okay so starting the conversation again you still start from their side of the bridge vvf right how what do i mean by that well with the value part first v you communicate how you value them by sharing Feelings of vulnerability. This is really actually pretty powerful. For instance, saying something like, I want to let you know that I'm feeling quite nervous, anxious right now because I care about our relationship and I worry about how this conversation might impact you. Now, you got to be genuine. You can't say this disingenuously, but if you literally say, look, I'm feeling a bit nervous about having this conversation, it communicates your intention and that helps soothe their amygdala. That's value. Voice, you start with, hey, anything new? You know, last meeting, here's what I heard. But I'm just wondering, you know, is there anything else since we, that first meeting one, first con, you don't have to say meeting one, but the first conversation, anything else that you've thought about? And there's a softness and again, a vulnerability to this part of the conversation that you care about them and the relationship. Now it's time for feedback. It's only at this point that you speak your truth right you've really heard them and at this point the key is to not hold back this is not the, the place to be ambiguous this is the, the place to be clear and firm respect them by trusting that they can handle what you have to say respect your role and the organization by doing what someone who is exceptional would do you know here's a give you an example of a recent conversation around a decision I needed to communicate I literally said and I worked with my coach on this I said I feel between a rock and a hard place first of all I said look I'm a bit anxious with you know this meeting but I've heard I've tried to listen to your you know point of view but I, I have to tell you I feel between a rock and a hard place if we do what I think then I think it will upset you where you might feel like I'm not taking into consideration your opinion. But then if we don't do what I think is the right thing for the organization and my responsibility to the organization, then I feel that I will feel like I'm not doing the right thing ethically or morally for the organization. I'm between a rock and a hard place. But so I I say what I have to say. I, You know, if it, it was a decision in that moment and they didn't like it, but this is the decision. We don't always have to agree with people. We don't always have to make a decision that will please them, but they need to feel like they have a voice in the process. And we need to re- genuinely be open to what they're saying. And in this moment, right, you want to work to stay connected with the other person without backing down, right? So now we almost go back to V to V. as part of the conversation to just tune into how they're feeling and you know, give voice and try to understand. But the key is that we really make sure that we state what we are stating because that's part of our job. This is obviously a lot in this podcast, but honestly, re-listen to the podcast over and over. Internalize this approach right? Meeting one, meeting two, start from their side of the bridge, VV and meeting one, meeting two, feedback in between, really consolidate your plan, really get clear on your SIQ so you know what's the conversation you really need to have. But the good news is that as you become more skilled in conflict, you will be able to enter into the last 8% more frequently. And this is where relationships and culture grows you know when there is tension in a relationship and you choose to have the tough conversation we found that this is what leads to breakthroughs in the relationship as opposed to break down you know and as we come to the end of the podcast the key thing that i want you to think about is last 8% will cause us because our brain is there to try to protect us. It'll cause us to try to avoid because it's trying to protect our body. And that's understandable. But what we want to do is is switch the frame. Last 8% are our biggest opportunities to transform ourselves, a our relationship, the culture on our team. And so think about you know, how you can use the last 8% you're facing as that opportunity to transform. And also start to think about how you can sustain the momentum on your team from this sprint. What can you do to keep this front and center on your team? I look forward to hearing from you about the creative ways that you kept it going. And again, know that there's the last 8% morning. We'll put that in the the notes so you can go onto Apple or Spotify and uh, walk with me every day. Hey, listen, this has been absolutely my joy to be here on this journey with you. I hope you see this as just the beginning. So let's finish with three by three, three mindful breaths down into the body. Now three gratitudes. Now three big rocks for the day. What do you want to get done today? Fantastic. As we finish, let's bring this energy and momentum into the day right as I say to athletes as I finish before they go on to compete in any whatever stage you have everything you need to be successful right now you have everything you need to be successful have a wonderful day